He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice, there is waste. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated. So as we go through Proverbs, I realize that the Proverbs themselves are a very earthy and practical uh, book. And so oftentimes we will see things in here that are very uh, practical, how to, how to do things. Uh, it can be anything here, as we talk about for today's passage in Proverbs 13.4, it talks about wealth quite often. It talks about how do I deal with uh, interactions between men and women? How do I do various things? Uh, and it's very unique in the, the wisdom side of things of how do I do this? And so God's word is applicable in all of our lives, not just in the spiritual, but he applies it so often to us in the physical. How do we do these things that go on in life? And so one of the things we see in this verse here in Proverbs thirteen four, it says, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. There are many instances that we see of, uh, of wealth discussed uh, in the scriptures. It says that uh, he, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich, from Proverbs 10.4. And in Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. But when we see things like this, we have to remember that one of the things that the Proverbs does is it's not hard and fast things. Uh, as an example is given that uh, oftentimes w- if we try to take the Proverbs and make them uh, analogous to hard written law, such as a triangle has three sides, we're, we're going to find we're disappointed at times. Because like every so often, something like this will occur where, yes, if even though the Proverbs say uh, diligence and, and the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, every so often you find that ungodly relative uh, that inherits a lottery ticket and makes millions, and he never loves the Lord and yet at the same time you still see him blessed with great riches. So it's not always a one-for-one correlation, but we can see general principles. We can see generally the way God works in things with this. And it's not just a spiritual thing. So I don't want you to take all of the Proverbs as we go through them and go, well, there's, there's definitely only a spiritual aspect to it. We're going to look at both today. There's a physical aspect to many of these things, and we need to understand that and apply it in our lives. You can see how it's used incorrectly as we look at wealth and riches uh, in other Proverbs. It says, the rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his own esteem, from Proverbs 18.11. So you can see even there that they're using it wrongly. So we're talking about material wealth being used wrongly, not just spiritual wealth. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich, from Proverbs 21.17. So one of the things I wanted to focus on here is on the physical side, what is the diligence that we see in this verse? Where it says, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. And and again, these themes are probably things we've discussed already, and we're going to hit them over and over again because Proverbs discusses them over and over again. 
So another way to look at what is diligence, and, and as you meditate upon that, from the 1808 Webster's Dictionary, we get it's the steady application of business of any kind, a constant effort to accomplish what is undertaken, an exertion of body or mind without unnecessary delay or sloth, due attention. So I want to hit, it kind of is a threefold aspect there. There's that steady and constant effort. It's without unnecessary delay or sloth. And it says due attention. And that due attention is, I would recharacterize that more in the modern English as something like an attention to detail with things. So some examples that you can think through with this. When, when I was a, a young child, uh, my father taught me some of the diligence aspects and he gave me one specific task that we would do every single week, if not multiple times a week. We had three large magnolia trees. And for those that have never seen magnolia trees, the leaves on them are about yay big. And every week, millions of leaves, as it seemed, would drop in our yard. And he wanted every leaf picked up. We weren't allowed to mow over it and use one of those neat mowing bagger things that would just suck it up. No, we went out and we handpicked every single leaf off the ground. Very seldom did we ever use rakes. We actually handpicked every single millions of leaves off the ground. And so as you look through this diligence thing, we were taught it over and over. You know, as we look at it, is, is it steady and constant? Could we start out with that project and get 80% done and call it quits? No, it had to be steady and constant until we got it done. Could it be without unnecessary delay or sloth? Could we pick up 20 leaves today, 50 leaves tomorrow, 100 leaves the next day? No, because by next week there would be another million leaves there. So you had to go without any sort of delay. And there had to be that attention to detail. You couldn't forget you know, 15, 20 leaves out there. If 15 or 20 dropped while we were doing it, we had to go back and pick those up before we were done. And I see it even today. I was thinking of another example. I know many of the posts build sheds. And it's just unfathomable to me how many screws they put in one of those sheds. So the same type of thing there. Can they start out on a shed? And if there's 1,000 screws they put in, can they do 900 of them and call it quits? No, it has to be steady and constant and get the job done with it. Can it be slothful and lazy? Can they do 10 screws today and five tomorrow and 10 the next day? It would take them about three months to build a shed. That would be slothful. And, and lastly, does, do the details matter with it? If they do 80% of the screws right on the, the beams and then the other 200 screws are just through the metal and somewhere in there and they don't kind of really do anything, does that work much for a shed? It doesn't. So you really, in, in so many of these applications in life, you have to do all three of these things. Failure in one will be not be diligent uh, in this. So how does that then apply to our spiritual growth? So this, uh, it, it does apply in the spiritual realm as well. So, and again, we see that so often with the Proverbs. With the Proverbs, oftentimes you're going to be handed something physical. And so often in all of Scripture, you're going to see physical things that we're then to figure out what is the spiritual side with that. And what do we see here with that? What, what spiritual uh, side of this diligence can we glean from it? Well, Colossians 3.2 says that we're to set our mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So we are to look at the diligence and what the proverb tells us here and be able to apply it to our souls, which is why in this specific, specific proverb, it does put the word the soul. It says the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. 
but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. As you go through and as you have physical diligence, your soul will then be blessed by that. You will learn something by the hands-on doing, and then you will have been able to apply that in the thing that, as Paul says in Colossians, the thing that's even more important there, the things that are above, not of the things that are on the earth. As Proverbs 3.15 says, Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. So our goal ultimately in this is not to have diligence so that we can be made rich physically. That may come, and the other Proverbs do, do mention that. But the goal here is so that we can learn diligence so that we can be made rich spiritually with things. Philippians 3.13 says that we're to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So that pressing forward that Paul mentions there in Philippians It's a very similar concept. It's that methodical pressing forward, that diligence that we're talking about, that plodding along, as the the Greek says for the Greek students here, dioko, it's to earnestly pursue, to aggressively chase. It's like a hunter pursuing a catch. That's the type of methodicalness we need to have in our pursuit of God. The Example we saw even from this past Thanksgiving, there was a a visible example in a a, a short film that we watched. But you can picture yourself as a runner, and as you are a runner trying to run the race, and often there are other people running the race with you, what do you set your eyes upon? A good runner will see if there's anyone in front of them, set their eyes on that runner, and then pursue that runner with all diligence to catch them, and then look to the next runner, and then pursue that runner with all diligence to catch them and continue to run the race in that effect and to run with all diligence. So what applications then do we see that you all can take away from this? Well, first off, let's go back to the physical side. Can there be diligence in your lives physically? Absolutely. So how do we, how do we see that diligence? Where is it going to exhibit itself? And you're going to see this uh, through the age span you know, the, the littlest ones are learning diligence in probably some of the more basic things. If you're the, the young one, it might just be cleaning the dishes. It might be cleaning your room. Can you apply those three elements of diligence to that? Can you do it with that, that stead, steady, constant plodding along where you finish the job? Do you do it without slothfulness or laziness? And do you have that attention to detail? Are all three of those things present when you're given one of those type of chores? What about with your schoolwork? Do you apply those there? As you get older, if you may work for someone else in things, are you consistent? Do you show up on time every single time? Are you cheerful every single time? Do you have some skill that you're doing? Do you get better at it every single day? It's that methodical moving along, improving upon it. Do you avoid the slothfulness in your work? Do you have an attention to detail when you work for others? So then if you end up working for yourself, have a small business, anything like that, you still have to do all those same things even when there's not a taskmaster working over you. Realize you'll oftentimes have thousands of taskmasters working over you known as your customers or your clients. Do you methodically improve your services, whatever those might be, whether they're new products, whether it's better skills and the service you already offer. In keeping the home, 
what do we do in our, 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 our housekeeping? Are we methodical with that? Do we have that attention to detail? Or are we slothful with things? With child rearing, I've used that example many times that, uh, again, I have had children that were uh, challenging you know, with things. And when you're faithful to God's word and you methodically plod through that, when you're consistent with the discipline, when you move along at that steady pace and you look for those things and you have that attention to detail, looking, not being lazy uh, in the, the training and the discipline, will it reward richly over time? Absolutely. Which brings then to, as you think through these training devices, how do they then apply to you long-term? So if, if someone were to ask you, what is important in your life? Most likely, the answer which hopefully would be, well, I'm a Christian. And so how, is that, how does that affect anything for you? Do you have a desire for Christ? Are your passions and your desires for the things of the world, or are they on Christ and the things above? If they are on Christ, how do we methodically, plodding along, strive after him with all diligence? Are we setting up the things in life that are getting us there and are striving after him? It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as you're being transformed, do you have your sights set upon Christ? Do you see him as a runner is pursuing that, that runner that's in front of him? And are you pursuing Christ with all diligence? What routines and patterns are you setting up in your life spiritually to, to chase after Christ? Do you have a daily Bible reading? Do you pray through the Psalms as many of us in the, the body are doing regularly? Do you read others? whether that's books, uh, articles, others that are, are stronger in the faith than you so that you can learn from them? Do you listen to sermons? These, these are all just various means that you can chase after Christ and to learn more of him. But they have to be methodical. They have to not just be sporadic. The, the, the ways you don't solve this are live, live as you want to and then let's fix it all on the Lord's Day and go be a good Christian right then. It's, it's not live as you want to and then go to a great conference and get motivated and sprint for a little bit and then tire down and stop the race. It's not read your entire Bible in one fell swoop in a day as, or as far as you can get maybe to Leviticus and then you give up and that's the end of your Bible reading for the entire year. It's methodical. It's a little bit here and a little bit there. Not giving up but pursuing after Christ all your days. But you have to do that. You have to set those liturgies in your life. So young folks, this is the time where you can set those things. Because when you go off, you get married, you establish a household, the liturgy you have now will probably, 80% or more of that, will stick with you even as you go off into that household. If you don't have a, some of these patterns set, if you're not striving after Christ in that way, it's going to be an even larger uphill battle when now you have other responsibilities, whether that be work, whether that be family, husband, children, wives, 
whatever that might be, it's not going to get easier as you get older. So spend the time now establishing those liturgies in your life. What are the patterns that are going to help you run that race well so that you follow after Christ, who is the most important thing in your life, hopefully? Question 90 of the Shorter Catechism says, How is the word to be read and heard that it may become effectual to salvation? The answer to that is that the word may become effectual to salvation. We must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Receive it with faith and love. Lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. So as we go through the word, as we study the word, it has to be done with diligence, not haphazardly. So establish those patterns in your life so that now when you look and you establish these things that go on regularly, you can look, what is the Christian life supposed to look like? There was an email that Mrs. Ryan sent out one time, and it was a beautiful email. Uh, it was sent out to the, the ladies list, but it really addressed the liturgies that were going on in the community, in the body here. And so when that revolves around Christ, when all of that is focused on him, that's the diligence we want to see, that all of us need to see, because it is life. Because what does this proverb say? When you are diligent in this, it's not just a nice thing. It leads to great wealth. And I'm not talking just the physical wealth. It leads to great wealth, the wealth that is above all the rubies in the world. You won't be disappointed in that. So as you continue to search out the mind of Christ, get wisdom above all these things. And as you do that, you'll be made more and more into the image of Christ. Let's pray. O oh God, our Father, the giver of all wisdom, we, by nature, are a lazy people. We want and desire but we're not diligent. We see the fruit of diligence, and we so often won't lift a finger to strive after what you so freely give. Our hearts are often cold and calloused, and we, in our pride, think that we have everything taken care of. We think we deserve more than we actually do. And forgive us for our laziness. Forgive us for our lack of diligence. Work in us hearts that strive after you, hearts that press toward the goal, toward the prize of the upward call of you, in and through Christ Jesus. May we plod along each day, endeavoring to see you more clearly, and always seeking to be transformed more into the image of your Son. Send your Holy Spirit and transform us, we pray. Work in us your sanctifying power, and never leave us to our own wills and desires. For apart from you, we would wallow in our laziness. For apart from you, we would have nothing. So give us all of Christ, and always clothe us in all of his righteousness. For in Christ, we truly are rich. Amen.